the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a brisk day out there. Uh, and uh, we'll just start off with some from The Art of War, one of my favorite books. Victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. If you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. Ain't that the truth? Anyway, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, on the injured reserve list here, folks. I had the back surgery a couple weeks ago, and uh, I'm just getting back to normal. I actually, I worked all last week. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, I didn't uh, didn't come up with any great ideas, unfortunately, but. In the meantime, um, you know, if, you, uh, if you'd like to have a conversation with me, a telephone conversation, whatever it may be, you know, go to my webpage, uh, which is at WHK1420. Go to local podcast and go down to the, the Smart Investor Hour, and then it takes you directly to my webpage. And there's a lot of contact me, email me, that type of thing. Make sure you take a look at Insight. That's a banner over the top, and there's a lot of good information on there. I don't know if you, there was two really good ideas, I thought, last week. And also under bulletin board, we not have not only have a weekly newsletter, but we have Rob Schleimer's weekly comment. Rob is our head technician; he's a good one. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. We have a whole bunch of uh, you know lists out there: ADR list, which is American Depository list, a lot of foreign stocks on there. Our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, and we have a new uh, a new list out there that I'll talk about in a while, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. Anyway, uh, this is a live show, so if you have a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So I think there's two big things to know. First of all, we talked to a bunch of CFOs last year, uh, uh, last week, and they are becoming more optimistic uh, before the, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank thing, and they're looking ahead to 2024 as a recovery year, which is basically what we've been saying, all right? But expectations for sources of inflation were dimming. Uh, this, you know, that's a positive thing going forward. Second, things that jumped out from our high-frequency indicators that we follow every week uh, is the decline in bond market volatility off its consistent highs. You know, I mean, consistently high, high, high. With past bottoms in the in the stock market and stabilization of performance for banks and small caps, which could suggest to us that sentiment may be finally starting to heal. Uh, I've never seen so many people bearish in my life, let's put it that way. But the CFOs were becoming more optimistic, and that's that's pretty good. First of all, they were optimistic on the broader economy. Uh, second, they also remain optimistic about their own firms uh, and the broader economy, to be honest with you. And third, while expectations on 2023 revenue growth dimmed, uh, and, and that's the Duke CFO survey, by the way, they picked up in 2024, and four CFOs in the survey have been getting less optimistic about pricing and wage growth for both both years. So that's a that's a big positive. And I, I think the other thing is the bond market volatility has started to calm down, and uh, that that's a big big important thing. Now, on on a economic basis, uh, the Federal Reserve tends to raise rate till something breaks. That's simple. And in March, something broke. Uh, Stress in the global banking system, partly through uh, not entirely driven by the Fed's aggressive rate hike campaign over the last past year, has renewed recession fears. But I think the market's been telling us that we're going to be in a recession for six, eight months now. So remember, the market bottom 
six to eight months, be, you know, or as the, the recession will be in place for six to eight months and the market will be starting to take off. So uh, now there's a couple things that I noticed. Um, number one, you know, the bullish percent went positive last week, and we'll talk about that further. But if you look, the, the overall participation rate on the labor number on Friday, for those who weren't watching, was the highest since March of 2020. So people are coming back into the, the, the labor force. So that's something not everybody talked about. And I think it's positive simply because of the fact that uh, the more people participate, you know, I think inflation is nipping into their, uh, their bud, if you will. You know, they had this big, you know, pocket of money that they were keeping, you know, in hopes that they could retire and stay retired, but inflation nipped into it. So they're coming back. And I think the scope of the banking crisis uh, is continuing to edge a little bit wider. Uh, some additional regional banks are seeing some pressure by investors. Um, and the way you tell that, by the way, is you look at their bonds. Their bonds are well under par, okay, which I've seen there. Uh, actually, a Bloomberg article noted that U.S. authorities discussed expanding emergency lending facilities. I don't know if that's good or bad, but, uh, you know, so a lot of pundits say this is a bearish setup for risk assets and the relative stability of equities merely means that stocks have not fully appreciated, therefore not discounted the coming, uh, you know, economic and earnings per share decline. Uh, I'm not so sure about that, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where we go from there. But uh, look, everybody I talk to believes the, the economy is broke post the, the Silicon Valley deal, non-inflation. Uh, the vast majority of the people I talk to are cautious, uh, and their belief is the economy is broke with a hard landing ahead. Inevitably, uh, these discussions reach a question, Tim, when am I going to capitulate on my positive attitude on, on equities? And look, I've been, I've, I've been um, I basically said in September, we hit a low. And we haven't broken that low yet. Okay. So when that happens, that's when Tim will give in, I guess. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I, you know, look, if we hit, if we break 420 on the SPYs, which is the, the ETF for the uh, Standard Poor's 500, that would be a big positive. Okay. So we're not hitting new lows, which is good. Uh, the make or break, uh, you know, deal that a lot of the bearish people are going on, I don't see it, you know, in the charts anyway. We're not hitting a new low yet. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Look, I think Wall Street analysts have been overly optimistic on corporate profits and that margins, not the revenues, were really the culprit. And, and that's something I think you've got to pay attention to. You know, the fact that the, the margins are slipping a little bit, that's mostly was because of inflation. OK, um, but if inflation starts to come down, uh, you know, you could that those margins could expand a little bit. So. Look, um, I'm cautious on the outlook for profits. Uh, however, I, you know, how much of that is in the stocks? I mean, look, if you take, I think it's 18 to, or maybe it's 28 stocks out of the, the NASDAQ 100, the average stock's down like 45%. Okay? The damage has been done. All right? Now, the question is, will they get to Procter & Gamble? Will they get to, you know, Pepsi and all those names? So I don't know. That's a, that's a very good question. But, look, I think the... The problem is, is that we have very narrow leadership, and it's pulling stocks higher. Not pushing stocks higher, but it's pulling stocks higher. And it started in the beginning of 2020. Remember, after a down year, when you have an up January, you have up first week, up January, up first quarter, you usually have an up year. And I, I think the, the key is, is that the rotation is so violent uh, that you can't find leadership. I mean, you know, the industrials, I talked about that the first quarter were, were really great. They've whacked, they've whacked most of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the basic materials were st strong. They whacked most of those. All right. The banks were very strong. They whacked most of those and, uh, the regional banks really got whacked obviously. So, you know, I, I did notice, um, you know, if you look energy and healthcare, and financials have led the way down. They're down about six percent. We have five to six percent between all of them, and and the the Nasdaq's up the most. Uh, you know, and com consumer uh, services or communication services are, is up the most. Remember, they were dead last. 
they they had a low score of 22. They're now at 74. So, you know, they were so oversold, they were bound to bounce is what I'm trying to tell you. But consumer discretionary was up and Infotech was up 21.5%. So that's kind of interesting. You know, uh, the stock stocks that you didn't think would lead, led. You know, consumer discretionary. Uh, and I didn't even mention them on the show, uh, although they were in like fourth or fifth place on dynamic asset level investing. And Infotech went all the way from seven back to four. So, uh, you know, it, it's been a you know a year where, and by the way, most of the Infotech was in the last month. Okay. So it, it hasn't been leadership all year. Uh, so we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, I do believe the dividend stocks have held up extremely well. Now, we, we do have a new uh, guided portfolio out called Large Cap Integrated Value. And, uh, you know, we have large cap, we have, we've all cap growth. And then we have this large cap uh, value portfolio, which has come out. It's, it's got some really good names on it. Uh, now, they are integrating some of the ESG box styles, environmental and social governance uh, box styles in this. So, uh, but, you know, uh, there's some names in here that I like, um, and I'm not going to mention who they are, but, uh, you know, they've got some environmental names, social capital, you know, stuff like that in here because of the ESG bent, okay? But there's some pretty high-quality names, and but it's all large-cap stocks, and uh, a lot of it has, you know, pretty – mostly are good dividends is what it comes down to. But uh, we'll see. Well, you know, we'll watch it for a while, and it is a new list, so, uh, I, you know, I don't go hog-wild on new lists. Uh, I, I make them prove their points list. Now, look, uh, we have a crisis. Is this a banking crisis? Is a big question, or is it a crisis for a few banks? And I think that that's an important, very important distinction. And look, some of the stuff that uh, these companies were doing was were, were wrong. You know, I think the Fed pushed them towards the Treasury market, but these guys were doing long-term Treasuries, thirty-year Treasuries, thinking that the Fed would pivot any time now. And 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 like First Republic did long-term municipals. That's a very illiquid market uh, on the longer end. You know, if, if you're buying those, you usually buy them for forever type of thing. So I think the the banking, the most acute phase of the banking stress system, or the banking system stress is passed. And uh, it's likely there's a couple aftershocks. You can count on it. Um, and, a, and a lot can happen within the equity markets along the path towards and during recessions. Okay, so. The question is, has recession already begun? And uh, that, that's something we don't know yet. And uh, I don't think the government will probably be uh, on top of that for a while. So, you know, I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago and I said, uh, you know, March in like a lion, out like a lamb. Well, it came in like a lion and it came out like a lamb. So, uh, I mean, we had a really good day Friday. And, uh, you know, like I said, that's 420 or 4,200 if you're looking at the S&P uh, index itself. But if you're looking at the SPY, 420 would be a positive result, you know. So uh, I think we're at 41 and some change right now. So, you know, I, I don't think you want to be uh, going hog wild or anything like that. But I do think, um, it, it, you know, look, I've got cash. Some people sold a lot of stock. I'm not sorry. I, I necessarily agree with that because getting back in will be very difficult for those clients. But, uh, you know, that that's up to them. Um, but. Look, we've we've held the low. Uh, I, I think it was the, the Monday after that that Saturday. I said I think we've hit the low. I think the Monday after was absolutely the low, and we haven't come back to that. We've we've you know we we actually had a good year, you know good first quarter. We were up two and a half percent for the quarter. So you know normally when that happens after a down year, you have a, a full year up. Now I've also said. That one of the reasons I don't mind having cash is I think this second and third quarter, I think, you know, we talk about this four-year cycle. And the four-year cycle is important because simply uh, the fact that, you know, once you get through that four-year cycle, uh, usually that's when the market turns up and turns up hard. And that'll occur in 2024. Now, will the next two months be totally worthless? I don't know. I mean, the first quarter was up very nicely. So the next two quarters, I mean. The next two quarters will probably be, you know, will bounce around some more. All right. So for those with faint of heart, uh, you just you should know that. But just remember, and I keep coming back to this time after time, we have these 
17-year cycles or 16 to 18-year cycles, and we've had three of them, and the average return has been 2300 from the low. Get to 2000 on the S&P 500 would be somewhere around 13,500 to 14,000. Get to 2300, it'd be about 15,000. Okay, so we got a long way to go if this is truly a secular bull market. Now, uh, you know that's that's the big question: uh, Will these secular bull markets maintain that 17-year cycle? I think they will. Uh, I have a lot of faith in them, and uh, I think you know you got to pay close attention. Now, I always I talk about the S and P 500, the three-month over the 13-month moving averages, and if you look, the the 13-month has just just at the, the twenty, uh, the, the, the I'm sorry, the four month is just at the thirteen month. So if it breaks through there, that'd be very positive. And remember, the momentum was the highest it ever was back in January, going back about fifteen twenty years. And the momentum on the downside in September was as low as it's been in those same period of time. So we've had a couple, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is making things interesting for us, and so is in Congress. And the presidency, you know, they're spending money like uh, there's nothing to do. But we did hold the trend line dating back to the, the low in 2009. We held that trend line. Now, the problem is, is that if you look at uh, a ratio of the S&P 500 versus bonds, there's no leadership there. You know, they're both kind of even steven. So people are starting to pick up bonds. And, you know, you, you had the chance to get five, five and a quarter uh treasuries for a while and there's some five percent cds out there um but you know the, the problem i think you're going to have is reinvestment risk going forward you know and and the problem with that is is because i think yields will come down and when they come down remember the federal reserve has control over the short end of the curve not the long end of the curve okay so the short end of the curve will probably be where everybody goes but the bullish sentiment uh, remains low and the bearish sentiment uh, you know, it made a, 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 move, a move down and then came right back up. So sentiment is, as far as I'm concerned, on a contrary basis, is very positive going forward. So just remember that part. There's there's a lot going forward uh, that's, that's important. And I keep getting a lot of questions about the foreign stocks. On a relative strength board basis, foreign stocks have not broken out yet. They have held up fairly well. Um, they you know, uh, at least in the last uh, little fiasco we've gone through. So it's something to, to you know, the emerging markets are well below the trend line uh, versus the S&P 500. So uh, that, that's going to be a tough market for a while, I think. But I, I, no, I am going to comment about Chinese stocks because there's a few Chinese stocks that look, you know, for those who like that type of stuff, who, who uh, look pretty good. But in the meantime, Let's take a break. Uh, remember, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. All during lunch. The Lobster Pot is featuring some of the greatest fish platters of the year, including fresh grilled salmon with cucumber dill sauce and your choice of two sides. Lake Erie Perch with Great Lakes beer batter or sautéed with white wine, lemon, butter, and capers, served with french fries and house coleslaw. Great Lakes Dortmunder beer battered Lake Erie walleye or broiled with lemon and panko breadcrumbs, served with your choice of two sides, fresh broiled wild Iceland cod loin with a buttered panko lemon crust with your choice of two sides. And get this, a Great Lakes beer battered haddock platter with fries and coleslaw for only $19 on Wednesdays and Fridays. And that's a lot of food. And don't forget about Wednesday and Thursday night, $1 giant shrimp and $2 oyster nights. So call the Lobster Pot now for reservations at 440-569-1634. That's 440-569-1634. Or go to lobsterpotrestaurant.com. Charlie Kirk says we need to address the real issue. For years, we called transgenderism gender dysphoria. Now, let me be very clear. These people deserve treatment compassion and they deserve treatment that will bring them back into alignment with biological reality. 
but it is a fact that they are suffering from a mental delusion. Did that play a role in Nashville? Probably. The Charlie Kirk Show, weekdays at noon, right before Dennis Prager at 1 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. We're back. Anyway, you know, look, um, I, I've had this conversation with many people, and, and I think, uh, you know, asset allocations come back into play. Okay. So, uh, you know, I've been talking about the 5%, uh, you know, treasuries and CDs since basically October, middle of October. And, uh, you know, I bought quite a few, right? And I think it's a good place to be right now. Uh, you know, if you can get, well, you know, I bought some Friday, uh, Thursday, I mean, uh, for a couple of gentlemen. Um, one of the largest banks in the country, 5.1% for one year. All right. So, you know, that's a good deal. All right. Um, remember, uh, you know, if you just took, if you took away dividends, that would be 5% would be what the, the equities make. Unfortunately, you got to add the dividends in. So the, the equities usually make nine and a quarter uh, over a period of time. The nine and a half. Um, some people go as far as nine eighty-two. I think they're throwing small caps in there with them. But anyway, I, look, I think the equity market's roller coaster ride is, is going to continue. All right, I, I don't, I don't see it going away until twenty twenty-four. All right, so we're going to have some ups and downs. So you know, trading will be a good thing, uh, but it's going to be hard because the rotation is going to be violent. So you, you know, I wouldn't recommend it for you know. Uh, for anybody who's really uh, ner- nervous, Nellies or anything like that, that probably would not be a good good idea. Uh, so you know, just be be careful. But look, I, I think you got resistance at forty two hundred, and if you break through that, that'd be a positive. But I think that, you know you could have a near term pullback. Uh, you know, likely given the short term ter- technical indicators, uh, I, I think you got you're going to have two to four week swings going forward for a while. Um, now, that doesn't mean you go out and throw out all your great companies, okay? You know, great companies, there's only a few great companies out there, and, you know, sometimes they sell off, and that's a buying opportunity, not a selling opportunity. Just remember that. Um, so, look, you know, I, I talked about the oversold levels at the beginning of March, and we got a little bit further down because of the Silicon Valley thing. And then we rallied up, and, and I think, um, you know, the volatility is likely to, to rise, I think, uh, as – investors brace for some, you know, important numbers. Now, I think that there was one Friday that everybody was negative on, and the futures were very negative, and I noticed they rallied on Friday uh, because the participation rate uh, was much greater. And, you know, if more people are participating in the job market, that means the price of jobs doesn't have to go up as much, all right? So just remember that. So, you know, look, I, my outlook remains what I've been saying for some time now, it, you know, we're going to be in a broad, choppy, sideways trading range through maybe quarter two, possibly quarter three, with you know that 3,200 resistance uh, on the S and P. I mean, 4,200 resistance, 42, 4,300 resistance on the S and P, and 3,700 to 3,800 will be the support. So um, I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that given the S and P continues to track that bottoming pattern uh, through the second quarter, you know, look, you use the pullbacks as an opportunity and you don't have to buy everything at once. Okay. Uh, I usually buy hundred shares, but if I'm a 500 share buyer, then I buy a hundred, 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 hundred. All right. That's what I'd be doing right now. So slowly, but surely I had the question about Boeing a couple of times. No, I, I think Boeing's a great long-term hold at this point. You know, I didn't, I didn't like it in the four hundreds. Uh, but you know, I, I think what you do is, you know, you buy a little bit, wait for it, buy a little bit, but, Look, you're going to have some ebbs and flows, and, and and if you look at the weekly momentum numbers, they're bouncing up and down quite a bit. So you know we're a little bit overbought now. So I think we we pull back a little bit, you know, and we will continue to see that uh, you know 
backwards for, forwards. Now, on a short-term basis, we're a little bit overbought on the momentum, uh, and I think you got to get through that 4,200 areas I talked about. It's actually 4,195, 44, if you're being <laughs> somewhat exact. And then the bottom end of it's 3,698. So, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things, uh, you know, the NASDAQ's now pausing. Uh, it's at its next resistance, uh, which is like 12,320, some, somewhere around there. And I think the daily momentum is overbought and starting to peak. So, you know, don't go chasing the rainbows at this point. All right. So it's going to be ebb and flow, ebb and flow, more sector rotation. Uh, you know, healthy healthcare is showing some early signs of bottoming. Now we talked about that back in the, in the fall and, you know, we had some of them pull up and then they gave it, you know, in, in January they were leading the pack and then they, they gave it back a little bit. So, so I think there's going to be this broad trading range and, you know, it's going to be rapid rotation. Okay. So I, I hope everybody remembers that. And the weekly momentum, you know, if you track one to two quarters, is is over oversold to a certain degree. But on the Nasdaq, it's overbought. So you, you know, which which area are you in? Uh, and the relative performance versus the S and P five hundred. If you look, um, I, I don't see anything other than you know bonds holding tough with it. That's because everybody's looking at five percent, you know, CDs. Um, but the the, the healthcare index is interesting simply because the weekly momentum is oversold and is turning up uh, and it's been in the sideways consolidation. So we'll see what happens there, but it's relative performance versus the S and P 500 is turned up uh, too. So a couple of neat, neat things occurring out there that I think that we could have, you know, some time to going forward, where are we going to be? There'll be different sectors that outperform but not the whole market. You know, the whole market will go sideways. So, you know, look, I, I see the staples. A lot of people moving towards the staple stocks. Um, you know, Rob Schneider made a great call on one of the bigger biotechs about two weeks ago. And uh, I'm seeing that. I'm also seeing some technology continuing to improve, although, you know, like I said, it is kind of overbought. And the cyclical sold off last week, uh, adding to the pullback that was already in, underway, um, we continue to look at the long-term profile of the cyclicals uh, versus the, the staples as being bullish, okay? So that I've said it. Um, now, if you look at the quadrant balance indicator and we look on a weekly basis, it popped up for a while and then went back below uh, 20. So it's, once again, very oversold. So uh, it's hard because, you know, you're, you're looking at things from one point of view a weekly uh, chart, and then you go to a daily chart, and they're telling two different messages, you know. So now the S&P 500 did break the uptrend line only to advance over it again. So that's what they call an undercut. That would be on a weekly chart. On a daily chart, it's not so much of an undercut. It's, you know, it's, it's a violation type of thing. But the NASDAQ did the same thing, but it only did it for one day and then rallied back up. And if you look at the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500, it is outperforming right now. So that's another thing to pay attention to. And the Dow Jones has been underperforming the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. But I also noticed their momentum is down, oversold, and starting maybe to turn up. So maybe the Dow is the place to go for a while. Uh, the Russell is still in, in you know, it was, doing, it was doing best and then gave it up. And uh, uh, I think that's from a lack of buying, not heavy selling. So we'll see what happens going forward there. Um, you know, the one thing I don't like is the number of stocks above their 50-day moving average has been making a lower high. And, you know, you want more people to participate. You know, we always talk about the kings and the knights leading the group, but you want the foot soldiers and the archers, you know, in the supply chain to follow you. Uh, and that's not happening right now. So we need we need some more participation before I'm going to get terribly bullish. <laughs> All right. So, uh, um I just think, you know, what's very bullish is the number of people that are bearish. And believe me, there are lots of people bearish. They think it's the end of the world. Uh, you know, look, if you've been doing this for a while, like I have, we've, we've gone through a few of these. Okay. I've been through a few of them. Uh, when I was studying economics, we were going through one in a big way. So, you know, it, it happens. I, I will say this, the mid cap and small cap growth areas seem to have broken out against their, their, uh, the value group, okay? 
Uh, and it's, we're kind of dead even with large cap growth and value. So we'll see what happens going forward. And I, I just, you know, I'll just say this again. The high beta stocks or the cyclicals still look really, really good versus the low volatility stocks or, or the, what we call the staples. Okay. So, uh, right at the moment, they're a little bit overbought. Uh, the uptrend line's still intact. I think that's still the place to go going forward, uh, you know, so far anyway. We did have the 10-year yield break its uptrend line dating all the way back to the, you know, the basically nothing <laughs> that it had during 2020. So uh, that's a that's a pretty positive sign for the for the uh, overall markets, I think. And that's that, you know, the bond volatility that we talked about. Uh, the other thing is it's made a lower high doing that, and, and that's a big positive. So I think we've probably hit the highs for the near term anyway for the 10-year yield, and I think that that's. That's very, very important. I will say this though, you know, we've come we've come down very quick, especially the the short bonds, you know, which were well over five, are now at three point nine, and so they've come very, very quick. So the momentum is oversold. So you might have a little bounce here um, going forward. We'll see, but it's it's important that you don't go out and you know uh, just jump at bonds. Okay, let let the yields. Let's see what the yields do and, and move up. Uh, we'll take it from there. Oil did oil did reverse up this week, so just remember that. Keep that in the back of your mind. In the meantime, let's take a break. And the number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Stay tuned. The straight talk and hard work and do it right plumbers at Wyatt Works will unclog your drain for only $93. Or it's free. What's the catch? There's never a catch with Wyatt Works. I'd rather starve than do business that way. We really will break up your clog and get your water flowing again for $93. Plus, we'll send a camera down the line so you can see exactly what you're dealing Most with. Most of the time, clog busting's all you need. Wallaka doodle. Back to your regularly scheduled life with a 12-month no-backup guarantee. If your drain line needs more, we'll explain all the options, including flexible payments and guaranteed estimates. And on the off chance clog busting can't get your drain flowing, our service call is free. You'll still get upfront pricing on solutions to your problem, but with no initial service fee. That's on us. Either we deliver on our promised clog busting, or it's free. So don't put up with half solutions or slow or clogged drains. Call why it works and consider it done. License number 30185. Brandon Tatum says somebody is responsible. You're supposed to be a professional. You can't just be like, oops, I, I was wrong. People die because you're wrong. And if you ain't capable of making good decisions, then you shouldn't be in that position. We should be able to sue these people. There should be a class action lawsuit against the government and Dr. Fauci because they lied to us about where this came from. Either they lied then or they lie now. The Officer Tatum Show. Weeknights at 7 on AM 1420, The Answer. Or on iHeart, TuneIn, and Odyssey. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. Little Beach Boys. Let's go for uh, Beach Beach Brother. <laughs> anyway, um, so this week, a couple of things happened that I think are important. And uh, as many people are bearish, and, you know, look, I'm, I'm talking about momentum now, so I'm, I, I, this is a little bit different than the normal turn up in uh, the bullish percent. But both the bullish percent for the New York Stock Exchange and for the Standard & Poor's both turned up in a column of X's this week. The Standard Poor's did it at 50, so there's a few more stocks participating there, and the New York Stock Exchange did it at 43. Uh, so, you know, we have the offensive team on the field, but I would call this, you know, I, I talked about uh, bull correction, you know, when we were up at uh, 70 last year, and 
you know, th- this is more like bear correction. I mean, it's a bounce until proven otherwise. <laughs> so we'll call it bear correction status at this point. And look, I, I think uh, w- when you reverse back into a column of X's, uh, that's a positive, okay? And the reversal comes after the indicator had fallen to its lower lowest level since back in October, to, you know, the, the Monday after I talked about, uh, you know, we'd be at the bottom, which was at 34. So um, with both being positive, it looks like the larger stocks are the place to be, okay? So the BP for the S&P 400 mid-cap and the S&P uh, uh, 600 moved back into X's on Friday. So we're starting to get a little bit more broader participation, which is good. Uh, I've got several stocks that I bought a, a while back uh, too early because we were, we were in bull, bull confirmed status, which was the first time we'd seen that in a couple of years, and it uh, didn't pan out. <laughs> so bear in mind that the S&P 500's recent strength, uh, if you look, has been more of a granular subsector point of view than participation within the 250 names that we, you know, maintain the point and figure charts on. So, uh, look, software made a big bounce. Healthcare made a bigger bounce uh, or made a big bounce. Food and beverage. Pepsi and, and Coke have gone crazy. Semiconductors, NVIDIA has gone nuts. You know, I'm not recommending these. I'm just saying that they have. Uh, oil and chemicals went nuts this year. So, you know, but we also have precious metals. Still no buy signals there. Okay. Paper and four. Forest products, non um, metals, non ferrous, zero. Okay, so there's a lot of uh, you know even banks. We have only 11% of the banks on buy buy things. Uh, leisure, 20%. So we're not having a whole lot of participation on the downside either. So uh, it, it's a, it's a mixed up type of thing. You really got to know your your stock that you're buying. I think is the important part. Um, so I, I just leave it at that and uh, go from there. Um, However, it doesn't, you know, we are in a situation where uh, I think that, you know, if you pay close attention, you'll see that um, there is more going on than what you think, okay? Uh, and and that's, that's the important part. Um, I, some people have asked me about crypto, and I, you know, basically said that, hey, uh, you know, it, it's bouncing around. Uh, it's in a column of O's right now, but it could turn into a column of X's very quickly. That's all I, I'll say. I, I don't really follow crypto. I mean, I follow it, but I, I don't really recommend it. Um, you know, somebody asked me, what about uh, the ARC Innovation ETF? And somebody sent me an email a long time ago, uh, right at the peak. And I, I said, you know, she's a very smart lady. And I've met her once or twice. And she's a very smart lady. Uh, but you got to remember that the chart on the tech stocks on the NASDAQ was in a parabolic stage. And that's not when you buy those. Now you're down at the bottom, you know, so if you're a little bit longer term oriented, maybe she's the right place to go. But if you look at dynamic asset level investing, you remember I said communication services were dead last. They were 20. They're now at 80. And uh, so they're, they're second to dead last, but they're having a nice oversold bounce. But basic materials is still the number one asset class. Uh, although they've got beaten up a little bit recently. And it's tech, industrials, consumer non-cyclical, and consumer cyclical. So uh, the, that's all good and well. And healthcare has jumped over both financials and energy to be not in favored status, but uh, still gaining a lot of votes. So the most favored status is basic materials, and it's technology, industrials, consumer non-cyclicals, that's staples, and consumer cyclicals as the, the best places to be. So uh, I think it's important that you uh, pay very close attention to what you're buying. Industrials, I still overweight them on the pullback. I, I use that as a, a buying opportunity, uh, not necessarily Monday. <laughs> uh, consumer non-cyclicals, uh, there's there's a lot of those names that broke out Friday. All right, so I'll just leave it at that. The consumer cyclicals, a little harder. You know, gaming stocks saw saw a no, notable boost over the past week. Um and, and a lot of the uh, beauty stocks, too. So, uh, uh, look, the financials are weakening. The larger ones are doing okay. Um, but they're they're pretty oversold right now So on a short-term basis. So we'll see what happens going forward. 
And communication services were was dead last and has made up some ground. So maybe there's hope for that group uh, going forward. All right. International stocks. Uh, look, if I look at the international stocks, the, the best group was Mexico. And uh, and then the, the stocks in, in Europe uh, was another one. But it, it went, you know, Mexico, the euro stocks. Uh, Spain, Germany, Eurozone, France, Greece, Taiwan, Netherlands. Um, so, you know, that's where I'd stay. The the, the worst ones, well, uh, I'm not going to go into the worst ones because uh, people start buying them for bounces, and that's not a good idea usually. But uh, as far as, um, you know, best ideas for ETFs and, and fixed income, it's been the zero-coupon U.S. Treasury from PIMCO. And anything with extended duration did well last week. and then. The infrastructure U.S. preferreds, uh, you know, I, I've been talking about preferreds for some time, and I talked about infrastructure preferreds a while back. So those are some things you should pay attention to. You know, oil did a reversal because uh, the Saudis cut off, I mean, uh, cut off some of the supply. And so they bounced back up, and uh, they did break a double top. So oil's gone from negative to positive. You know, it's on a buy signal on a relative strength basis. Uh, gold is still, uh, you know, positive relative strength or point figure chart, but it's still uh, still hasn't broken out yet. Let's put it that way. If it breaks out, we'll we'll pound the table on it. Uh, if it hasn't, then we, you know, it's a trading opportunity. Uh, you know, t- two of the oil stocks that I I the, some of my clients didn't own, I bought, and they're up three or four bucks. So it, you know, so far it's a decent trade. We'll see what goes happens going forward. Uh, as co- far as commodity performance, you know, golds and precious metal, metal ETFs have done well, uh, and mostly in the miners, by the way, not in the actual gold stocks. And and anything in cocaine uh, did pretty well, and the carbons allowance strategy also did well, and the copper index has held up fairly well. So those are the areas I'd probably stay with if I were uh, a betting man, all right? Um, now, one of the things I, I've seen is that the S&P and the QQQs are still trending higher. And Good Friday week is historically positive, you know, which, which it was. That with the crude, they gapped higher, and it's constructive for energy and helps uh, jumpstart outperformance. I think going forward, so we'll see what happens. Uh, um, the rates are rolling over a little bit. You know, we've made a lower high, and we broke the uptrend line dating back to the uh, ultimate low in interest rates, which was zero. <laughs> by the way, um, so. That probably points to the fact that you get a, you're breaking a lower high, and you've broken the uptrend line. Probably you're going to have weakening yields going into to, to April. That would be my personal opinion, um, and uh, you know the charts are kind of emphasizing that. So uh, if you're going to buy, what I'm saying is you're going to buy CDs or whatever. You better get on your horse. Um, but the market breadth. It, you know, I think that's the key because it's been mostly large stocks. And, and this this last week, we had the mid caps and the small cap growth area start to pick up. So that's that's positive. You know, you want to see the foot soldiers, the, the archers, the guys carrying the ammunition for you to be right behind the kings and the knights, okay, and keep going forward. So we get a breakout on the on the uh, advanced decline line, I think that would be extremely positive. Uh, you know, so those are a couple things I'm thinking about going into the, you know, into this weekend. Uh, and I think energy's move was really significant. And uh, I think, you know, the more you look at that, crude breaking over 80 was really positive. So for the crude stocks, and I think for crude in general, funny that had a downtrend line broke, broke a, you know, a, a kind of a flat. A series of flat bottoms and then reverse right back up and uh you know, that may be just because of the, the the banks thinking that the world was going to end because of the you know banks going down so we'll see what happens going forward but i do believe uh those are two positives long term for the market by the way you know oil going up and um and interest rates going down so now, defensive trading has dominated, you know, pharmaceuticals, uh, uh, I mean, uh, pharma pharma stocks, biotech, utilities, all have broken out. Uh, large cap ph- pharma has really dominated healthcare. It's likely, uh, <clears throat> it could dominate for a while because there's a big breakout out there. 
And if it breaks through there, I'll let you know next week. Uh, but if that happens, I think it could be very, very positive for large cap pharma. And they have great dividend yields, by the way. Uh, if you look at the treasury yields and the dollar, they're trending down together and they're doing it sharply. The U.S. dollar had little or no support in February and, and it's near 100.8 now. Uh, the TNX likely pulls back to, I don't know, maybe 315. Uh, now, from there, uh, I'm not you know, saying where we go from there, but I think it's important that you understand where these, some of these support levels are, uh, you know, where to hold back. Remember, we talked about 4,200 on the S&P and 3,699, we'll call it, on the downside. So we're going to probably flap up and down between those two levels. But the fact that oil broke out, it's good for the oil stocks, all right? And the fact that the yields are coming down is good for the growth stocks. So uh, like I said, you, you kind of need that balanced portfolio, you know, where you've got a barbell approach, where you're, you're holding on to the, the middle. Those are your staples on the far end. Is your the far left hand side? We'll call it your your growth stocks on the far right stock hand side. Your value stocks. But in the meantime, let's take a break. All right, uh, number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Stay tuned. Well, we're moving on Limit future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to the plot line with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 6:30 here on AM 1420 The Answer. The plot line describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's the plot line with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6:30 a.m. on AM 1420 The Answer. Hugh Hewitt says, don't poke the bear. It's sort of a standard litany of the grievances the former president has. It's all familiar, but there is no menace about it. And I thought it was reported as though he was menacing the country. I just don't think they understand yet that they can't do that without upsetting and bringing him even more attention to and support for his base. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Bob Fratz at 9 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back. And just tuned in to Smart Investment Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And now we're going to talk about insiders because they, uh, you know, we've tried to take you from strategy down to ideas that you can use. Uh, now, if you're using them, don't call me. <laughs> uh, I use certain ones and, uh, you know, there's, there's some out there that are in great shape, look fantastic, and others that don't look so good. So. I think you, what you have to do is be paying attention to your your own portfolio. Unless you're doing business with me, then I'll pay attention to it for you, okay? But we, we had uh, several that I thought were kind of interesting. Uh, one is Biomea Fusion, uh, which, you know, hit a new high. And on the new high, uh, a director bought $12 million worth of stock. All right? So that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, you, you love seeing insiders buying stock at new highs. Uh, and then also Domo, which is a, uh, uh, a software company that we follow pretty closely, actually. The founder and CEO, Joshua James, bought $4.9 million worth of stock last week. And that's the first buy in a pretty long time. So, you know, almost like three years. And then uh, for those people, chicken soup for the soul. Uh, we had the chief executive officer, by $4.2 million at 2.30 after it, you know, got, got whacked from, I don't know, three and a half down to 2.30. Uh, and, and then there's a couple other people that bought the stock too, uh, that were involved in the company. So 
And then uh, Clearway Energy, which is uh, in the renewable energy area, you know, down from 35 to 31, we had uh, several directors uh, buy $2.2 million worth uh, one, two, three, four days. I mean, four, four times in one day. So that's a, that's a positive. Uh, so it's a tune of $8.6 million worth of stock in a very short period of time, or like a day. Also, uh, Total Energies, which is the, the group uh, that bought part of that, uh, bought some of their own stock at $2.2 million. <laughs> And here's another one, Co-Crystal Pharma. Our dear friend, uh, Philip Frost, who's a director there, uh, bought $2 million worth at $1.97. Uh, and I forgot to mention that Jim Domo bought twice last week, once on the 31st and once on the 3rd of April of Domo. And uh, he bought another million dollars on the 3rd uh, of the software company. And then uh, Planet Labs. This is an interesting one because he bought it right before a major piece of news that came out, uh, which I didn't think you were allowed to do. He's president of business products, and he bought a million dollars worth, uh, which is interesting. And then we have uh, FTC Solar. We had several buys here. Uh, former director Thurman Rogers bought uh, quite a bit, uh, almost $600,000 worth. Uh, and then two days later, comes out and buys another $86,000 worth. And then um, he bought another $90,000 worth. So I like multiple buys. Um, also, uh, LPG, which is Dorian LPG uh, gas, we had. One, two, three, four, five, six buyers of that too. So, and then here's something we haven't seen a lot of this, but FDX, FedEx, we had a director buy two hundred thousand dollars worth, and we haven't seen too many directors or anybody else buy the stock uh, on a regular basis anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it's something that I think you have to pay pretty close attention to, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people are. Uh, we had a lot of insider buyers, and then now that the market's rallied a little bit, they've kind of moved away. So we'll see what happens going forward. But, you know, it looks to me, you know, based on Friday's action, that the S&P could go a little bit higher, although the the, the weekly momentum is pretty high right at the moment. Uh, the daily is just turning up. So we might have some more, you know, post-Easter move. And then I think the second half of April, we might have a... a a bit of a pullback again. But look, you know, bond yields have continued to drift lower. You're looking at the TNX, which is the 10-year, and the TYX, which is the 30-year. They have both broken their monthly support levels, uh, which they've held in recent months. Okay, so interest rates are starting to head south again, all right, which is a positive. It's, you know, you like seeing uh, when interest rates go down, that's a big, big-time positive. And uh, a lot of people don't seem to uh, uh, think that, uh, you know, uh, well, let's just put it this way. They think that, you know, yields are coming down. I can't buy bonds anymore. Yeah, but that's really good for your stock portfolio. And I I do think, you know, I look at this chart of the cyclicals versus the non-cyclicals. And I thought it was going to hold here. And now what it's doing is going back to the ultimate uptrend line, which happens in periods like this. but, you know, short-term gauges of sentiment have begun to turn a little bit less pessimistic, but the long-terms are still really defensive. So defensive position is increasing following weakened weaken, uh, economic data, okay? So that's normal. And, you know, there's some minor evidence, just short-term evidence, of the cyclicals stalling out. And I thought that might happen because, uh, you know, we've been pushing them for about four or five months, and they've been doing better than most uh, everything else. But Look, I think what's important right now is, you know, you look at the long-term bonds, and if you're going to buy bonds to make the, you know, to look at this asset allocation bond uh, portfolio type of thing, stay near term, all right? Uh, The long-term bonds probably uh, will be the last to fall in yield, but uh, I don't think, you know, uh, going for a long-term bond at 390 uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, you know, if you can get that on a municipal, maybe, but uh, I haven't seen that going forward. So something to think about. So the bullish percent turned up. Okay, It's not a real roaring bull move here. It's it's a like, kind of like a bear correction is what I'm seeing. So we, we're in a column of X's. There's less risk on the table. 
However, just keep in the back of your mind that it's bear correction. Okay, it's not bear. Uh, I mean, it's not bull confirmed. Okay, it's, it's bear correction. So, what we're doing is we're rallying into a bear move, and until we break another top, it'll stay that way. And if it does break another top, then it will be up. You know, we'll be in a bull move. So, that's something to, to pay. You know, keep to keep that in the back of your head also. If you're a fixed income investor right now, short-term bonds look still fairly good. There are some CDs out there. They're still trading at a 2% for maybe, you know, one and a half, two years. Uh, I bought some uh, Thursday that were one year. Okay. I don't know if they're still there. I bought quite a few of them. Uh, But you're going to have reinvestment risk, I think, because uh, believe it or not, the the Fed's talking out of one side of their mouth and uh, they're doing stuff out of the other side of their mouth. They're actually... They're loosening some of the the credit uh, while they're talking tough, you know. So we'll we'll see what happens going forward. I will see this. Uh, say this. I looked at a lot of Chinese uh, equities today, and um, the more I looked at them, they're they're starting to look interesting. All right. Uh, I'm not saying going whole hog on these things or anything like that, but if I look at some of them and, and I I do some cycle work, there could be a, a nice move coming up uh, going forward. Uh, but there, there is, a, unfortunately, there's a lot of optimism going, you know, a lot of people talking about the foreign stocks and, and you know, hey, I got to, you got to be in the foreign stocks and all that stuff. I'm not seeing the leadership yet for the emerging markets or Europe, but I, I am starting to see some basis for them in some of these Chinese stocks. And I got a list of them um, that I can recommend, but um, I'm not going to recommend them on the show. So as long as Treasury yields continue to pull back, we still had that spread. So what we're still seeing is even with the rally in the two-year yields and the one-year yields, we still have an inverted yield curve. So, yeah, everybody's worried about a recession. But just remember, by the time recession comes, the stock market will probably be rallying. Okay? So don't get too bearish. It's, uh, it doesn't pay to be overly bearish. I've, um, I've listened to a couple of Republican people and a couple of Democratic people and like, you know, if you listen to them long enough, you, you'll go start raving mad. <laughs> uh, so I think there's a lot of people in the middle of the road that are, are really starting to sound pretty smart to me at this point. So, uh, you know, with a dollar rally, with a with bond yields rally, they'll probably they're pretty oversold at this point. But I do think, um, you know, we'll start April off on, a, on some sound footing. It'll be interesting to see what the latter part of April goes. But remember, the four year cycle is what's important. But if you want any of our, our information, remember, go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show. Uh, we have our top ideas, ADR list, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, our new large cap value list. Remember, it's new. It's not been tested yet. Uh, and if you'd like to sit down and talk about your portfolio, uh, just hit the contact me or email me, and I'd be glad to sit down with you. Uh, um, I think it's a great time to be taking a look at your portfolio and saying, what should I be doing? In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.